0: Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. welcome back to Becoming Church. We are about to experience something that we have never experienced before here on this podcast. I am bringing you our guest all the way from Australia, Dave Adamson. Welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having You've never had an Australian on before? No. Really? First. Well, I'm glad I can be a pioneer in this space.
0: Yes, I'm pretty sure people are going to listen just because of your accent. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) (laughs) They're already like, I'm here, I'm in.
1: (laughs) When I was living in the U.S., uh, I lived in the U.S. for 14 years, and basically everybody, I got speaking gigs. Purely because of my accent,
0: I believe. it opens
1: it opened doors.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, I'm gonna ask you a ridiculous question, but if I don't, my children will never forgive me. So you already know
1: what's coming. I, this is gonna be a Bluey question. Yeah. <laughs> Do you
0: watch it? Do you like? I can see them being like, "Mom, does he know Bluey and Bingo?" <laughs> Which obviously they're cartoons on Disney Plus. Yeah. Ooh, I would not know them.
1: <laughs> I know, I know of it. My kids are older, so I, I um. They they, yes they grew out of the the that phase that That bluey audience demographic long before bluey came out but I get asked that question enough by by my by American friends yeah again being uh, you know I lived in Atlanta for. like 7 years and I lived in yeah. in New Jersey for for 5 or 6 years. Um and so I've got a lot of friends who are almost like family to me and so they're constantly uh, I get asked the question about Bluey and yeah, uh, can you just please do a video for my kids and and, and say <laughs> you know they give me the lines to say out of blue. it's it's actually hilarious. It's it's good. I, I like the fact that um you know something that is you know it's kind of a, a thing of pride. We we love that the fact that there's something that's created in Australia is having such a big impact on the next generation right yeah. around the whole world. That's that. That's kind of cool. It's what we're and all trying to do as not- pastors, right?
0: Yes, exactly. If only we were little blue cartoon dogs, <laughs> maybe we could <laughs> have more success sometimes with a larger demographic. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Is it the phenomenon there that it is here?
1: Oh, yeah, exactly the same. Um, well, is it... A- it is it's really big i would say it's probably bigger in the, in the us than it is in australia for for two yeah. reasons one obviously the the accent is a huge part of that sure. but second you know what 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 a lot of americans don't understand or have haven't put together australia as a landmass is about the same size as the us um australia's a little bit taller and the us is a little bit wider from a from, okay. a, from a country point of view but, you know, we've got like 26 million people here, whereas you all have 300 and what, 320 million or something. Um, and so just the market is a lot bigger there. So it feels yeah. like, you know, it's probably the same percentage of people in America as in Australia uh, watch Bluey. But because the that number is so much larger, it seems like it's so much bigger. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does. Well, if you have not watched it, and for anybody who's listening, I don't care if you have children or not, it is the most well-written show that I have seen (laughs) in years. Like we will you
1: by Bluey.
0: Yes, exactly. Disney Plus, let's go. (laughs) We belly laugh, we cry. It's amazing. My little my girls will get off of this, I promise, in just a second. But my girls will look at me and be like, Mom, this one's gonna make you cry. Like they already just
1: know. Oh, that's awesome. I love it.
0: So it's amazing. Well, the reason that we actually have you on today, Dave, is that you wrote a book that I listened to and I have already posted on my social, me- social media multiple yeah. times because it was truly, I think revolutionary and it's called Meta Church, how to oh. use digital ministry to reach people and make disciples. Tell us a little bit about how you even got into the digital ministry world
1: yeah um well thank first of all thank you for saying that thank you for for reading the book i, I know you listened to it on audible and i know that that was a huge part of it because you just thought i was a blue dog and <laughs> you know you put yourself in that yes. mind that's why you read it so quick i get it that's <laughs> yeah. why we did the audible version because we wanted to lean into that side brilliant of it. um look you know um you know I grew up in a, I I didn't grow up in a, in a home that went to church at all. So I was completely unchurched um, and had, so had no intention of ever being in full-time. That's not something I wanted to do Um, when I was in grade 11 at high school. um, That's when uh, I started following Jesus. And um, you know, that obviously changed my life, but even then I, I didn't want to go into full-time ministry. All I wanted Mm -hmm. to be was a sports reporter. That that was my goal since I was a little kid. Um, And so I continued to pursue that path as a christian and started working for um newspapers and then magazines i became the editor of australia's highest selling sports magazine and then from there went to tv and i was a tv sports reporter for seven nearly eight years at uh, one of the three major networks in australia on a show that was essentially our version of espn sports center and you know i thought i was in my dream job this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life and then god called me into ministry And little did I know, this was in 2008, little did I know that the skills that I had been developing as a communicator, as a, you know, a a field producer, a field director, but also the on-camera skills that I was doing when I was doing live crosses and things like that that god was actually using those things and establishing those things in me for this new thing that was i was going to step into which you know in 2008 there there was only a handful of online pastors in the world but this forward thinking church in new jersey reached out to me and you know they said hey we think you're the guy we've been looking for would you be interested in coming out and interviewing for this position as an online pastor and so in 2008 i became an online pastor Um, Didn't know what that was at the time. It was really brand spanking new. Um, But yeah, this is one of those occasions where God was really playing, you know, he's playing 3D chess and I'm off playing, you know, connect four, because, you know, he's at this whole different level than I am, but he was using these skills and these gifts that I've been developing for years and years and years to go into this new space. And and that's really where it started. I I became the online pastor of a church in New Jersey in 2008 and grew that, you know, obviously from nothing because it wasn't really something that existed uh, previously. And then in 2013, we went down to Atlanta and I became the online and social media pastor at North Point where Andy Stanley is the lead pastor. And I did that for the next uh, seven or so years. Um, And really this book... What I wanted to do with the book is just take everything that I learned. Look, I, I've been given this crazy, unique opportunity that, you know, was given to me by God. I 100% believe that yeah. to be on the front end of something that was changing in the church. And I got to do that at some really influential churches and, and I got to make mistakes and and fail forward and, and- <laughs> put away things that didn't work and build on things that were working. And so really what I wanted to do in in 2020 was when I um, started processing this idea of writing the book, when, you know, the pandemic shut down churches and, and, you know, the live stream became mainstream because everybody had to do that. Um, And I was dealing with um, calls from churches from around the world, trying to help them get onto their live stream for the very first time. And this was something I'd been already doing for 12 years. Um, And so, It was at the end of that, and when my uh, my family and I moved back to Australia that I was like, "I, I really need to write down all of my experiences And all of the things that I've learned. And so that's really how the book came about. And I really wanted to to be, Kristen, I really really wanted to focus on it being a book that was both philosophical in that, hey, here's the theological pushback I often get around online church, but also practical. And not practical in here's how you beat the algorithm on Instagram, because that's going to change in three months. And the book becomes irrelevant. What I wanted to do was create a practical strategy for what this next, what I believe is the next iteration of church. And that is meta church now for your audience who who maybe have heard of the metaverse or maybe think of meta as being the new name for facebook it's not a book about the church in the virtual reality that word meta is just a prefix which means to transform as in the word metamorphosis or it means to go beyond, as in the word metaphysical. And so my, my thought around it and my experience tells me that the church needs to transform, it needs to change its model to go beyond just a Sunday time slot, just a, a building, and reach the community for the other 167 hours of the week outside of that yeah. one hour on Sunday. And so that requires a changing of the model. And this is where, you know, being at one of the biggest mega churches in the world, yeah. um, most influential mega churches, I started to realize I think the future is not mega church but meta church that a church that transforms its model and goes beyond just a building goes beyond just a sunday time slot and can reach people who live within driving distance of the church building who otherwise don't know that the church even exists and we have the technology to do that like we're able to and it's free We don't have to do anything. Like the world has created this great tool for us to, for the first time in human history to literally go into all the world in a second if we leverage it really well and if we're strategic about it. And this is where I, I really wanted to provide some a resource that help people think innovatively I think in church world we have a fear of innovation uh, across the board and so I really just wanted to do something that was practical and incorporated all the experiences that I've had and hopefully told some stories that were interesting but at the end of the day I wanted people to put it down and go I feel like I know what to do in my next step whatever that looks like in your context so yeah that's where it came from
0: Well, and I think you did a phenomenal job with that. Like you said, the first half felt theological and I have all kinds of notes um, because I'm like, yes, I want to quote this. And yes, I need to tell people because I was just listening. Like, why don't more people understand? But then the second half of the book, I have a ton of notes. And I made my to-do list like 19 times longer. Thank you for that, Dave, because (laughs) I'm like, I don't need to know. It's fantastic because you truly did give practicals for podcasts, for YouTube. I mean, for so many things and you walk people through exactly how to do it. So we will get to to some more of that later, but I I just wanted to let people know it is both here's the ideas and then here's how you can actually like apply this. Outside of, of it being COVID and everybody going online, I mean, was, is that how you knew that this was the time or had it already kind of been stirring in your mind?
1: Yeah, look, I think it had already been stirring because I, I, you know, I speak at enough conferences around digital ministry and and all of those. So so I knew there was this thing, but hundred percent COVID was the thing that shifted everybody's thinking, right? Because when, when the, when, when, when churches got closed down, um, we a lot of churches just had to scramble for the very first time to even think about what does it look like now um, to, to to stream our services online, and it's not even just streaming online. It's about some churches didn't even have podcasts put out. Uh, they were leveraging their social media in a way that wasn't extremely inviting, or or even leveraging in a way that was uh, efficient or effective. And so the pandemic allowed churches to suddenly start to rethink, it was like a control alt delete, right? We got to reset everything. (laughs) Now, there are some churches for whom, you know, when, when they, when the pandemic kind of started to wind down and buildings were opened up again, there were a lot of churches who treated online that online thing is like a short-term mission trip that they did during COVID and now we're back (laughs) and we can just go and so when they step back into their building they step back into time there's certainly churches that did that and and you know I'm like that's okay like I'm I'm not just an advocate for online stuff I'm on I'm an advocate for churches reaching the people in the community where God has called them to serve and the pandemic allowed us this opportunity to reset and we also became super aware as church leaders of all the anxiety and and the relational issues within our local community. And so for me, it just seemed like there's there's not just a, a digital um, opportunity here, there's actually a relational opportunity and leveraging digital technology allows us to be in those places where people are uh, continuing and enhancing their relationships, which is online, it's on their, on their cell phones. So why don't we leverage these to actually connect with the people who live within driving distance of our building Kristen, this is the biggest lesson i've learned about online in 2008 when we st- when i started as an online pastor i would go into my church leadership uh every single week and give them reports and the big thing that i was pushing constantly was this is how many people watch and this is how many countries they were watching from we had 51 countries who are watching us and that was the win in 2008, right? Because yeah. we didn't really know what we were doing over the years. My, my philosophy around and my theology around this has changed. I'm a big believer that content, uh, content is not king on social media. Context is king on social mm. media. Okay. When explain you, that. So when, when you, um, when you, you can put out a piece of content, right. And that creates a post, it makes a post. That's all it does. Sure. But when you, when you, out a a piece of content that speaks to somebody's context that makes a difference you can either make a post or you can make a difference and context is the difference there and so you know you're in you're in north carolina you're in charlotte i would be arguing that uh your church mosaic should be leveraging all of its technology social media youtube podcasting to reach the people who live within driving distance of your locations that's that's what i would argue because you're the best person to do that, right? I'm right. not going to help them from Australia because I don't know what they're dealing with right now. I don't know <laughs> right. what the biggest social issue is in Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know you know I don't even know what the temperature in Charlotte is today. So I can't really speak to that context, but likewise, you know you can create content that people who live within a driving distance of my home here, they might go, hey, that's really helpful, That's a good quote. But I've got the opportunity to actually connect with them relationally and, 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 and go on that journey with them purely because of context. And so I really, I'm a big believer in the, uh, the importance of the local church, the yeah. local church. We've usually been called to a place to serve in a community, yet often what people think when they online is, oh, it's me going out to reach the world. And there are some churches for whom that's their mandate, and God has given them that responsibility, and they should continue to do that. But most of us in church ministry have been called to a specific location to serve the, that local community. And we should be leveraging the technology available to us to reach people. And this is why I always say within driving distance of your building, what would that look like? It, 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 if a church used that as their target audience for everything they put out online, that would change dramatically what they did. Oh, for sure. Um, because it would be much more you know audience focused and the context would become the most important thing.
0: I think a lot of, a lot of pastors, church leaders think that that's not enough, right? We have to like super go big or go home. And if we're not reaching every single person, then we've failed.
1: Exactly. Yes. Now there are some, some churches, some church leaders who have been given that platform, I a hundred percent believe that. Sure. But I think the majority of us have been called to a local and we're passionate about our local area, right? We're That's passionate why we live about where our we God. live. Yeah. Exactly. That's why we yeah. established a church where we, we live. We're building yeah. a community there. But too often what I see on churches when I, when I look at their social media and I look at their, what they're putting out onto YouTube and, and those sorts of things, it, it's stuff that is so generic. That it could be for anybody and it's not Mm. targeted towards the people that God has called them specifically to reach. And so that's where I believe context is king when it comes to social media, when it comes to any content that you put out online. The funny thing for me is, you know, you know this uh, because you're awesome at this. The (laughs) church is a content creation machine. Yeah. Right. Well, you're writing messages all the time. You're creating podcasts all the time. There's YouTube videos. There's all this stuff that we create. And then you look at a church like Mosaic, your students, pastors are doing exactly the same thing. Then your kids ministry, people are doing exactly the same thing, creating all of this content constantly. What the church is not good at is distributing that content to the people who need it the most. And so this part of this book is, is about helping churches distribute that content in a way that reaches the people that God has called them to reach, that they might not have thought about before. We've got all this content. And, you know, you, I know you experienced this, I'm t- I feel like I'm preaching to the choir with you. But, I know, I love but, it. You know, you preach these awesome messages at Mosaic. And you then, as a church, you guys put it out onto YouTube to reach a wider audience, and that you you understand already that that becomes an evergreen piece of content that yeah, right. ha- doesn't have a shelf life like it does in a building. You know, right. if the and, and, and that works not just for messages, it works for discipleship across the board, right? Because if the discipleship, if our discipleship strategy is as a church, is limited to the seating capacity of our church, then we've missed an opportunity to do what God has called us to do. So yeah. going, which is going to all the world and make disciples. I would just argue that as mosaic, I don't want to put this on you if, if this is not right, but I would say no, you've been going to go into Charlotte and make disciples. Yeah. That's the first port of call. This is what I love about Jesus. He was so strategic. Go here, then here, then there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, sometimes we go, well, we're going to go there first and then we'll work our way backwards. And I think we've, isn't it funny that Jesus had the best social media strategy, <laughs> you know, two thousand yeah. years ago, and we yeah. just now, but we're trying to skip ahead and go. Well, you know, I've got YouTube. I can go into all the world now, so I'm going to do that first. And I feel like Jesus going, no, 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 come back, come back to let's just let's just focus on Jerusalem first, and whatever yeah. our Jerusalem is, let's just do that first, and then we'll take the next steps.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's why I was so excited to have you on the podcast after reading meta church, because I mean, that's the whole idea of this podcast being called becoming church. That's why it's not the mosaic church podcast. We do have that also where we put all the messages and whatnot, but we really are trying to pastor our people and teach our people to be the church outside of, like you've said a hundred times, one hour on Sundays in one location, you know, um, just too why I wanted to be able to have this conversation with you because I'm like, how can I help you get this message out there? Because I think it is so important, but I also feel like there's so much pushback, like the the idea of change, yeah. right? And and we'll get into the practicals of all the tech in a minute, but the idea of change within the church, within religion, in and of itself, is like you have some people that love it, but I feel like there are so many people. Yeah, That are like, this is the, you know, this is the enemy. You had a quote. You said, if we remain unwilling to reimagine our approach to church, people will do it for us.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Will you
0: explain your thinking there and also what the danger is in that?
1: Yeah, look, but um, for, for me, if I can like go beyond the book and, and tell you Please. my personal experience right Please. now, right? So, so I live in a culture in Australia that is ninety-seven, uh, sorry, ninety-three percent unchurched. Only seven percent wow. of Australians would say that they would identify as Christian and would say that they go to church on a, on a regular basis. So, th- those ninety-three percent of people who live. Like I'm, for the people who are listening, right? I'm looking out my window now, looking at the houses around me, and, and knowing that ninety-three percent of the people who live in the houses around me don't know Jesus, and, and and they they don't go to church. But I guarantee you, they have a perception of the church. They've, oh, sure. they've got an imagined this is what I imagine churches like and that's what I mean by that they're, they're reimagining church for us because they've already got a perspective of what Christians are like and what Jesus is like and what church is like and it's incumbent upon us as church leaders to change that perspective because let's be honest their perspective is not the actual perspective their perspective is not real, not the reality. They probably think But it's Christians, their reality. It's their reality. They, yeah. You know, I, every time I talk about this with, with uh, my unchurched friends, they think the church is just against everything. Christians are against everything. And I'm always like, well, you know, the most famous Bible verse in the world starts with the word for, right? For God, so... Uh, what if Christians were known for what we were for? What if the people around oh, me who who aren't Christians, what if their view of Christians were, you know what I don't know if I agree with what that Dave Adamson guy says and believes, but I want my kids I, I'm I'm a business owner and I want I want to hire his daughters because they are the most generous, compassionate, uh, integrity-filled people in our local community. Hey, I don't know if I agree with what Dave Adamson say, sings about when he's at church, and and what he talks about about Jesus on his Instagram posts. But you know what? I want my sons to marry his daughters because I know they're going to be part of a family that is generous and compassionate, and and a loving and a community. Wouldn't that be awesome yeah. if that was our reputation? But our reputation isn't that, and that's what I mean by reimagining what it, we we need to reimagine help people reimagine what church is by being in the community. And this is the thing, you know, Kristen, if you go to a party and you get introduced to somebody for the first time and all they do is talk to you about themselves, how good they are, how good the things they're doing is. And and here's all the achievements that I've I've had in the past week. You would probably like walk away after a couple, be polite because you're a polite person, but you would probably walk away and go, well, I don't want to have a conversation with that person again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You look at church social media and that's what we do. Right. We only talk talk about ourselves and how good, oh my gosh, our service was the best. I'm so disappointed you missed them. What if we started talking about the local community and started saying, hey, local high school in Charlotte won the high school football championship. Let's cheer them on. Hey, today we're praying for all of the emergency services. Uh, leaders in in Charlotte? What if we talked about the things that are happening in the com- in the community? This is the community festival that's going on. This is the library. This is the, hey, here's 10 things you can do in Charlotte on a rainy day. Hey, it's snowing in Charlotte. Here's the best sightseeing spots for families. Like Those sorts of things are actually yeah. helpful to the local community. And it lets the community know that the church is there. And the idea behind this is you want the local community to know that your church is there, to be happy that your church is there and to be better off because your church is there. But what we post on social media is just about ourselves. Look at us, look what we did. This Sunday is going to be the best Sunday ever because Pastor Kristen Kristen is writing a message. She's going to present the best message of her life. you will relationships are going to be restored. You're going to lose 50 pounds. You're going to grow new hair. If you're bald. Um, you're going to find a, a spouse. If you haven't got one, like that's how we kind of right. sell our church right. services when we could be just real about it and go, Hey, this Sunday at church, pastor Kristen's delivering a message and she's going to give you three things you can do to improve every relationship in your life. I would go, oh, I want to go to that. I, sure. I, I want, I, want yeah. I, I need some help with my relationships. I'm going to do that. If you understand it, they're the needs that people have in the in the community this is comes down to relevance for me we have this idea in church that relevance is smoke machines moving lights uh-huh. cool I was gonna music,
0: say music yes deep for, like, beat, like, yep t-shirts
1: yeah. right skinny <laughs> jeans whatever it might be yeah. right but relevance <laughs> is meeting somebody's need in the moment that they have it if i'm if i'm in the middle of uh, the ocean And I've been stranded in the ocean with just a life vest for a week and I'm starving and I'm on the edge of death. And Kristen, you show up in a boat and you pull me in and you give me a drink of water. I don't care what brand of water you give me, I don't care what type of boat you've you are the most relevant person in the world to me because you've given me the thing that I need most, right? I don't care what brand of crackers you give me. So if we want to be relevant in the in in the community, if we want to be relevant as a church, we need to be meeting the needs of our local community. That's that's what I mean by that whole reimagining thing. But I believe we have a window at the moment. As the capital C church, we have a window of innovation that's open to us at the moment, and the pandemic created that. See, most churches—if you think of the church growth on a bell curve, right? Um, you mm-hmm. think we all know what a bell curve is. Um, for the people listening, I'm literally drawing it in my in the air <laughs> right now, as if Kristen doesn't know what a bell curve is. But you know, we we think once a church gets to the top of that growth bell curve. That's, that's, we think that that's the time to innovate, but it's actually not because the risk of innovation at that point is so high. If it fails, we plummet down. In reality, church attendance has been plummeting for a while. Like it's not just, it's, this was pre-pandemic people who like not only did less people attend church than ever before, but even people who said they were Christians were stopping attending church. It went from once every two weeks to once every four weeks to once every six weeks, people who attend church had stopped attending church. But the pandemic gave us this opportunity, this unique opportunity to uh, have a window of innovation where we can create something new now and we might get another spike in that bell curve that might start going up again because there was such a world-changing situation that hit us. So now's the time for us to innovate more than ever, I believe. And that might not mean coming up with the newest technology. It might not mean suddenly live stream. For some churches, the most innovative thing you could do is to not live stream your service. It might just be to up your instagram account and reach the local people in your local community and put the resources that you usually use for your live streaming to that side of things rather than live streaming we think that innovation looks like this no innovation is just doing things differently and this is where you know my old boss andy stanley says it best we have to date the model but marry the mission you know our model should change our method should change and so i would be arguing that right now we have the best opportunity to use 21st century technology to fulfill Jesus's first century mandate to go into all the world and make disciples because we have the best discipleship tool available to us, our cell phones. Like people have in their pocket, church leaders listening to this, the people who live within a driving distance of your building have in their pocket every single day and have at arm's reach every day. 91% of adults have their phone within arm's reach all day. My what friend. they have there exactly right mm-hmm. what they have yep. there is a pulpit a a small group a worship team and an offering plate in their pocket yeah. We just need to be able to uh, understand how we can and be strategic and how we leverage that, how we connect with them by that. And it's not coming out asking them to give straight away. It's letting them know we understand the context that you live in. And we're here to help you get better at life. We're here to help you get better at your relationships We're he, like helping them in that way is the front door into the church, I believe.
0: Yeah. Wow. I feel it's, like I'm fire so... hosing.
1: I'm sorry. No, I like, love it just... so much.
0: I'm sitting here like taking it all in. <laughs> My so, my question is for people that are listening, right? For church leaders that are listening, going before I get there, I will get there. I really love that you said maybe for some churches, it's not doing live stream, but focusing on Instagram. Because I think that one of the lies that we believe is we have to do all of it and we have to do everything. Like, I've been in meetings where we're like, why doesn't our church have a TikTok? And I'm like, because I can't manage one more (laughs) platform right now. Like, literally,
1: that's why,
0: you know. And so, I think you just gave people permission to like do what works best instead of I trying agree. to do everything at once. But for the people that are listening that maybe would push back against digital ministry or online church. I feel like a lot of people jumped in during the pandemic out of either fear or lack of control or they felt like they yeah. had no other option, right? Yeah. Where they were like we're doing this because it's literally all there is. Yeah. But now that we're able to go back, I'm seeing a lot of that decline.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? What why?
1: Um, the, the the main piece of pushback that I have, always, and it's coming up all the time again now. Uh, it's the same. It's the same pushback I was getting in two thousand and eight when I first became an online pastor, and it's the idea that you know it's it's deliberately it's straight from Hebrews ten twenty five right. Let us not give up gathering together. That's what that's what people yes, will always. Yes. If I had a dollar for every time that had been quoted <laughs> to me, like that would be awesome. Um, but you know the interesting thing about that for me, Kristen, is that. In the first century, when the writer of Hebrews wrote that, there was only one way to gather, right? That physical was the only way. But the method has changed. The method of gathering has changed dramatically over the years. And we need to be leveraging that. You know, Hebrews also says that the word of God is active. That means that it's constantly uh it's relevant in every cultural context in every situation in every time like just because it was written in the first century we we all know that god's word is still alive right now but that idea we don't want to believe that when it comes to hebrews ten twenty five. and the reason we don't want to believe it when it comes to hebrews 10 25 if i can get really really brutal here is i think for too long in church world we have measured our success as church leaders and we've measured our self esteem and our self worth by the number of people who are sitting in mm-hmm. front of us and we over we biblical we we spiritualize that by quoting hebrews 10:25 but really it's about serving us yeah and if we really want to reach the community there, there are so many unchurched people who live around church buildings. And if we yeah. want to really reach them, I think we need to have a new, a new unit of measurement. And that doesn't mean that Hebrews 10, 25 comes undone. No. Cause I do believe we need to gather together. <laughs> this is the thing. I've never met an online pastor, myself included, who believes that online could or should replace on site. We don't say that it's an enhancement right. to it's a both That's and. what it is for me. Yeah. It's a yeah. both and world that we live in. and, and, that's where Hebrews 10.25 for me is not pushed back anymore. It's just like, well, let's talk about where you're getting your self-esteem from and, and, and how you're measuring the success of your church, because the success of your church shouldn't just be the number of people who are sitting in seats, but it should be the life change that's happening. How many people are engaged with your church? How many people are in small groups? How many people are serving in your church? How many people are serving in the community because of their service in your church? How many people are financially, you know, have a financial plan to support you? These are the things that we should be marking as engagement, and that can happen online or on site. And it's funny, you know, Micah says that we need to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, right? So that implies the only offerings we should be accepting in church is the ones that get put physically in the plate. No, but we're all open to no you what you use you, you cash out Venmo. money, you Venmo yes. money, you do a direct <laughs> yes. we're all happy with online giving uh-huh. but online attendance takes a swing at that point. And so for me, the Bible verse that I typically come back to when it comes to countering, I guess that is acts you know acts 247 uh, which says you know which is the verse that every pastor loves oh my gosh we love it because every day god added to the number those who are uh-huh. being saved. yes we want that that's our that's our home run that's our north star but acts 246 says and they met together every day so we want the acts 247 payoff but we're not willing to pull and put in the acts 246 work but yeah. guess what technology allows us to do that right now we can post we can post daily Bible devotions for our church community and meet with them every day online, whether that's in a zoom prayer room, which, you know, Mark battison's church is doing has started doing during the pandemic and has continued to do, they call it the upper zoom best name ever.
0: Hilarious.
1: Um, so they do a, a, the whole church gets together and prays every Tuesday. It's at, at some weird hour, like 7 14 AM or something. Yeah. Like there's little things like that, that we can do that create these touch points so that we can gather together yeah. every day with the people who are in our church community so that god will ultimately add to our number those who are being saved but it, it comes about only if we start to do those things strategically it doesn't come back by us wishful thinking um right. we have to actually be strategic about it and do stuff uh, some things you know that i've, I've quoted this a couple of times while we've been talking go into all the world right go into all the world yeah. i did this huge research From the hebrew and the greek of that word go and did you know that it actually means to go that's all it means it just means go (laughs) actually just just do it just do that's literally what it implies is to just start doing it so we I, i really believe we have to start doing some things around this technology in this space to make those connections every single day and we have a great opportunity to do it now to your point right not every church has the resources to do that on a consistent basis So we have to figure out the things that are working and what's working right now. And I know like in the book, I talk a lot about YouTube. For me, if I was to say to a church, you know, if somebody's listening to this going, that's great. I agree. What do I do next? What's the first thing I can do? I don't have many resources. Maybe I'm a a pastor of a church and, and I'm the only person on staff, or maybe it's me and one other person who's half time, right? I would be saying the thing that I would focus on first and foremost the the, the biggest priority for me would be to do short form vertical video that's and this has changed since I wrote the book it's honestly yeah. changed in the last couple of months i think short form vertical video is the way of the future and every church pastor needs to be getting on that it's not over produced stuff it's it, it's just it's not highly produced it's highly authentic and so that yeah. might look like just getting your cam, you know, your phone out and holding it vertical and just doing a quick video that says, hey, church, um, hi, people of, sh- uh, of Charlotte. I just wanted to let you know, I'm praying for you guys right now. And specifically, I feel like I need to be praying about these four things. And I hope you'll join me in prayer. Like something like that and posting that to YouTube as a YouTube short or to TikTok or to Instagram as an yeah. Instagram reel. That's the sort of thing that's getting a lot of traction at the moment. If all churches did was that, that would make yeah. a huge difference in connecting with the local community, but make it contextualized to where God has called you to serve.
0: That makes sense. And in short form, just for practicalities is what like three minutes or less, right? Or not quite that short.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm a big advocate for three minutes or less. Um, <laughs> when it comes to YouTube shorts, it has to be 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, so it can be even shorter again. Um, yeah. And I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, Hey, what are the top um, three platforms that you would suggest any church leader use uh, in priority order. And I said, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, YouTube. And I tr- YouTube is different to YouTube Shorts, right? yeah. And people were like, well, what would be fourth and fifth then? And I said, Facebook and Instagram in that order. YouTube Shorts, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And Instagram okay. for me has plummeted from number one to number five. And the reason okay. for that is algorithmically... Instagram at the moment doesn't really know what they're doing because they're trying. To, no. They're trying to get into the short form vertical video space, and they're right. just not doing as good. The reason that YouTube Shorts is number one for me is people understand YouTube. I think a lot of churches understand YouTube more than they understand TikTok, yeah. but YouTube Shorts like YouTube is a search engine. So it's searchable. You can find that content that you need. Um, And so this is a big part of what I write in the book as well about this zero moment of truth, right? When people have a question, they're not going to the church to find answers. They're going to Google to find answers. And so we need to be as church leaders in that Google space with answers to the questions. And because Google owns YouTube, Google will always throw up YouTube videos as the answer to those questions. Kristen, one of the great things—can I tell you Brilliant. something really excited? I'm so excited about. Yeah. I'm working with a, with an organization in Australia called Alpha Australia. Alpha is a pretty well known uh, brand in Christian circles. It's a. Have you heard of Alpha? It's a short form. No. It's a oh, it's like a uh, introduction to to faith series that came out of England it's um, it's a, a six-week course that churches can put on anyway cool. with Alpha Australia I'm helping them with their YouTube and what we decided to do what the strategy is we, we we found that my team and I we researched the top 100 most highly searched faith questions Jesus, Bible, God, faith, church you know most highly searched faith questions in Australia geotagged to Australia and so we wrote out this hundred list a uh, list of hundred top 100 questions that unchurched people are asking and we're creating two to three minute pieces of content that answer those questions. Now it's funny, right? Every, some of the questions are like, could Jesus cook a burrito so hot that Jesus couldn't eat it? That's one of the questions. But then there's (laughs) other questions like, is masturbation a sin? Um, uh, Questions like, if I have tattoos, can I get into heaven? Like these are genuine questions that people are asking. That's the obstacle for them getting to faith. And this organization Alpha Australia is answering those 100 questions in short videos. And I keep saying to church leaders, find the 50 most highly searched faith questions in your era in Charlotte. You find 50 of you find those 50 questions, add in Easter and Christmas. You've got a year's worth of content. Yeah. We package series up because we think that that's how we're supposed to do things and i'm not saying that we shouldn't we that's still a a great approach to teaching right but imagine if you found the 50 top questions in charlotte that people have and you wrote a message for each one of those questions and then you add christmas and easter to it how much more helpful is that to the unchurched people who live within charlotte who live within driving distance of mosaic like that and that's pretty simple to do and you can do that for free you know use google to google auto prompt to literally find those questions because they're geotag searches. So it's really easy to do. And anyway, these are just things that I think churches can do to leverage technology beyond just that. Well, I'm streaming my services, so I'm doing everything I can. There's other things you can be doing which might be more helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I love that in the book, you even like you just listed a couple of things you were very helpful in the book too with go here and go here and here, cause I'm sitting yeah. there reading. So <laughs> to fill you with a tiny bit, I am a teaching pastor. I also kind of have my hand on a lot of other things right now. Yeah. I'm our communications person. I'm now our social media person. I am now our YouTube person. Um, what, what, what started for me as writing content, like being on the teaching team and writing emails and, you know, maybe like Instagram posts has now, grown like all of this stuff I don't know what I'm doing like don't tell them (laughs) but I'm having to like teach myself as I go so for people like me who already feel like they're stretched so thin and I'm talking this can apply to church staffers or even people listening who feel like part of their you know just ministry as a Christian as a Jesus follower is to utilize their social media you know how do we do it without burning out more than we already are?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so, so I would be suggesting first and foremost, like I, like I said earlier, right? We are content creation machines, but we're not content distribution machines. We're not really good at, at, at distributing that content well. So I would say this repurpose on purpose. What I mean okay. by that is, Kristen, how long does it take you to write a message on average?
0: Oh my gosh. I, I mean, hours. Well, also I usually write it and then delete it and then start over.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and I know you don't do that the week of, I know you're doing this in advance. You're probably working on multiple messages, but let's, let's for argument's sake, say that it takes two days. So 16 hours, you know, 16 hours, two work days to write a message, right? Then take that message and repurpose it as much as possible. And if you're writing that message with the end goal in mind, of not just being in the service preaching it, but all the multiple other facets, it starts to change your, your. it starts to shift your thinking a little bit. It certainly has for me anyway. So when I'm preparing a message, the way that I prepare that message is I'm thinking, how is this gonna come across on uh, YouTube as well uh-huh. as in the room? Right. But then I'm also thinking of what parts of this can I take to turn into social media graphics? What part of this could I chop up into a quick 30 second little uh, Instagram reel or a 60 second YouTube short. And so I'm thinking through that process. And it's become second nature to me in a a, a whole bunch of ways, right? It, It totally has. But I'm not creating multiple pieces of content at that point. I'm creating one piece of pillar content. And then I'm uh, breaking that up for individual platforms during the week so that it gets distributed in a different way because people are accessing content in different ways. Some people, some people prefer podcasts, like podcast audience has increased year on year since 2016. And the reason for that is we multitask. So, you know, uh, even just taking that message and turning it into a podcast is super helpful. But then how we leverage that podcast to connect people to our church, hey, if you like more content like this, you should go to blah, 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 whatever that might be. Even little things like that are are, are huge. But it's not about Um, recreating more content. It's just that pillar content that you're creating, whether it's for the adult service, whether it's for the student services or for the kids ministry, and repurposing that content in multiple different ways. That gives you a whole bunch of different pieces of content that you can post, right? And I break this down in the book, how you can take one 37-minute message and turn it into about 18 different pieces of content that you can use throughout the week. But on top of that, I think too often as churches when I work with churches, the biggest one of the biggest problems I I, I have expressed to me is I just don't have time to keep creating content I keep running out of ideas. I think we feel this pressure to always be posting uh, content, when I think the best thing that a lot of us can do is just to respond to content that's out there already. So what if we went into you live in Charlotte. and you, your church is in Charlotte, what is a restaurant in Charlotte that you absolutely love? I'm going to do a live example here. Well, like you um, and your husband, date night go to, where is it?
0: Velvet Taco.
1: Okay. First of all, best name ever. That is great. A, right. I love <laughs> and that. the Second, best tacos. Mexican. Mexican I, I'm all on board. <laughs> so what if part of your strategy was, Hey, as a church, I'm not going to post, we're not going to post, today but what I'm going to do is I'm going to find restaurants like the velvet taco and as the church I'm just going to respond hey that's such a great Instagram photo hey I love that meal our team might come there for lunch this week what if your your staff goes out to lunch oh, just in the some comments. Other... yes just in their oh, yeah. comments so yeah. for me <laughs> on Twitter this is one of the things that I do which it's it's hilarious I'm always trying to think of ways to post new Twitter content but what I find is when I'm commenting on other people's Uh, posts that are already out there whether they're Christian or not um, I end up with a lot more followers as a result because people like my engagement with a a content that's not mine so sometimes the best way it's like that like that party example I said right I can either talk at you constantly or I can ask you questions about yourself and get involved and respond to what the conversations you're having I guarantee you this church leaders in Charlotte there are conversations happening in your local community that your input would be valuable in, but you're not having those conversations because you're too worried about what is the next thing I'm going to talk about. You know, you know when you're having a conversation and, and how many of us are going, oh, good, she's just said something really interesting and I can't wait. I'm not listening anymore because I'm just thinking of the <laughs> next thing I'm going to add to. But that's what we do on social media. What if we just listened? for a while on social media, and then responded to stuff that other people are posting every church, every church in in the world should be following on their social media platforms, not other pastors, but the community leaders in their town, the the schools, the fire, you know, the emergency services people, the, the libraries, the government agencies, the, the counselors, the restaurants, the cafes, that's who we should be following, because we want to be part of the community. The only right. r- r- way the community is going to come to us is if we go out to them and let them know we're there. And sometimes yeah. the best thing you can do is to not post on social media, but just to listen and comment on other people's social media platforms. That's, that would be another big thing I would be suggesting.
0: I love that. And that's something that people can incorporate, I mean, quickly and easily. And that's yeah, real quick. brilliant. Yes. Okay. Well, I, you truly like You, you make me all like energized and revitalized to go out and like, I'm I'm like, I can rule the social media, like (laughs) digital ministry world again.
1: I'm really glad to hear that.
0: Yes, Really glad to hear that.
1: I want to, if I can just state one more thing over, really, really overstate this. It doesn't take a lot. Y'all, I know there's pastors out there who don't have the resources that I had at North Point and, 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 and I totally know that. The best thing that you can do is just, we've all got, this is the funny thing, right? We have all got a $1,000 camera in our pocket. And God provided the best lighting available, the sun. If you just get out... <laughs> And hold your phone up to your face and, and turn so that you're, the sun's in, you know, the, good, the lighting from the sun is there. Um, you can create content that is really highly authentic and highly genuine. And the production stuff, that's not, a big, that's not as big a deal as that genuineness that we have. And so I would be encouraging everybody to just right now turn and face a window and just tell somebody what your favorite Bible verse is and why that's your favorite Bible verse. Don't just quote the Bible verse. Why, how did that change your life? Don't throw it at them like a
0: Bible bomb.
1: Exactly. But how did that verse make your life better and make you better at life? Like if that's all you did and you say, I'm going to do that every Tuesday, I'm going to read one Bible verse and tell you why it made my life better and made me better at life. There's one piece of content already taken care of. Do it in a 60 second video. It doesn't have to be polished. Things like that are the easiest way to do social media easiest way to use technology and online and it doesn't require a whole team to live stream a service and mix the service and all of those sorts of things it's really simple for us to do if we think about it in a different way than we've been thinking about it um and if we're prepared to change our model i know people push back on that because hey church tradition church tradition tradition is just peer pressure from dead people it's time for us to start changing things up a little bit because what is the faith of the next generation worth It's worth everything. I think it's worth us innovating. I want my kids, Kristen, I want your kids to know Jesus. And if we're going to reach them, we need to change our model to reach that generation. It's really important. And it's not just the next generation. It's the current generation. Yeah, right.
0: Well, this, I'm going to ask you one more question because the podcast is called Becoming Church. Um, Yeah. And you again, I'm going to quote you again back to yourself. You said the church needs to find its identity and who they are rather than where they are. Again, that's the whole heart of what becoming church is about. Yeah. What is a way that you think people can become the church right now where they are?
1: This is a good question because I think it goes beyond just church leaders, right? This is the people. Oh, for who, sure. If if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you are part Absolutely. of the capital C church. Absolutely. And that's not something that we, church is not a place we go to. Church is who we are. Church is the things that we do. And I, so for me, I, I, I was the church yesterday. And part of the way I was the church yesterday was I met a guy from a Christian organization. He he was coming into town and uh, this is the story's going somewhere. Believe me, he was coming to town wanted to meet with me. I said, let's meet at the local brewery, which is like, you know, a mile, a mile and a half from my house. He's like, okay, a brewery. Okay. We get to the brewery. And um, when he walked in, I was talking to uh, one of the waiters. Then one of the waitresses came over and said hi to me by name. And I said hi Hi. back to her by name. And he's like, do you come here often? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, wow. And I could see the mind ticking Uh over. This is a, a guy who's a pastor and he comes to a brewery often. I know what he was thinking and I know what some of your listeners are thinking. But <laughs> nah, for me, <laughs> why would I not want to be in those places? Because I think we become the church when we we serve our community in the way in it, and meet the needs that they have in the moment that they need them. And so for me, getting to know the, the people who work at the local brewery where I know I uh, is close enough to my house that I'm going to be there a bit is me trying to have influence with them so that ultimately I can show, I can help them reimagine what it means to be a Christian yeah because in their mind Christians don't go into a brewery in my mind why wouldn't I go there because that's where the unchurched people are and isn't that what Jesus would have done but I think too often and you you, uh, I know you follow me on social media you might have seen me post this but I think too often we sit at the tables that Jesus turned over (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jesus turned up at more tables than he turned over and so that for me is is an indication that we have to show up at more people's tables in order to be the church. You know what's interesting? The Hebrew word for altar, you know, the, that place in the church where the Bible sits and all, you know, where we preach from, the Hebrew yeah. word for altar is the exact same word as the Hebrew word for the table that you would have dinner at, the table that you would have coffee at. And, and there's this rabbinic saying that every table is a uh, every table is an altar. Because at every table, we have the opportunity to talk about God. We have the opportunity to introduce people to Jesus. At every table, we have the opportunity to be the church. You want to be the church? Sit at more tables. That's what I would say. That's my answer. And I just thought of that then. I'm going to tweet that. You want to be the church? Be the church by by showing up at more tables and just inviting people to have conversations with us. Too often... Oh gosh, our faith either invites people to have arguments or it invites people to have conversations. I just want to be the church by inviting people into conversations and, and answering questions All saying, I don't have an answer to that question, but let's journey yes. it out together, right? Yes. We're closer yes. to, one of my favorite theologians, Abraham Joshua Heschel says, we're closer to God when we have questions than when we think we have all the answers. And so sitting down at tables and having so conversations, um, I think that's the best way to be the church.
0: Yeah, I love that. I can't wait till you tweet that. I'll like it for you. I'll retweet it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you
0: so, so much. This has been an absolute delight. Listen, if I ever make it to Australia, which I want to, we will grab a beer at the brewery and then we will sit down. We will watch all of Bluey. all of it.
1: Yes, please. I will. We have to make that happen. I'm actually going to be in the state soon. If I'm coming through North Carolina, I'll come and say hi.
0: Oh, please. That would be, that'd be so great.
1: You're Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thank you so much. All right. I'll do a little wrap up at the end, but that was, that was so great. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. You, you really good at this. You asked some great questions. Seriously.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I I, I don't want to waste anybody's time coming on, you know,
1: I totally get that. No, the, the, the questions you sent first were brilliant. So I think that was really good. What I love most, it felt conversational too often. I've done podcasts where it just feels like Q and a,
0: Yeah. Well, I try to send the questions in advance, knowing in my mind, like there were plenty that I didn't even get to because I thought of something in the moment that made more sense. Um, I'll have to tell you real quick and then I'll let you go upper zoom by the way, is one of the best. That's amazing. We started something, we go live three days a week on Instagram and on Facebook Yeah. and it started in the pandemic, but we're still doing it. And basically we were like, how do we do a morning devotion to like breathe life into people in the morning? Yeah, and make it like a social thing because they talk to each other in the comments and they engage. Yeah. and so we call it morning breath. So <laughs> we have morning breath. I love it. We have morning breath three days a week. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love that. Do you tweet that out? I don't want to be part of that.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, breath. I can. I don't. We're not on Twitter. We're not. We don't really do a lot on Twitter. You think we should be?
1: Oh uh, yes, but you got to use Twitter for a specific reason. Yeah. Here's my my one minute pitch. Okay. Um, Every of every social media platform, Twitter is the one that skews mostly men. It's the only one that skews men. It's like 70, 30 percent men. So if you if if as church leaders you want to reach men, that's the place to be. But knowing that, men and you I'm sure you're a wife, you know this. Men (laughs) like short snippets of information. We don't want long stuff. Like it's gotta help me. If it's not practical and doesn't help me, then don't post it. So literally, I use my Twitter account like I Google has done a whole bunch of Uh, research around what people are searching for during the day. And it's funny, from 6am till about 9am, what people search for most on Google is short snippets of information, they want the news headlines, the sports scores, um, you know, the traffic uh, updates, the the weather, so they can make decisions about their day. That's how I try to use Twitter, those short pieces of information that people could apply to make get them through the day. So if, if your church wants to reach men, that's a great place for you to be for sure.
0: Okay. I mean, I can tweet out, "Hey Mosaic, we have morning breath 3 days a week." I could do that. <laughs> tweet that out. Yeah, you've
1: got a Twitter account, right?
0: Yeah, but I don't use it.
1: Stop. Probably because
0: it. I'm I'm so wordy. Like to go, you know, however many characters or 60 seconds, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't I can't condense." Yeah.
1: So this is, Twitter has helped me from that point of view of, can- like I'm a writer by trade, right? So I'm right. used to write it, but it's made me uh, make things shorter. And then, then it's funny, I, I go, I don't know how well, you know, Andy Stanley, but I go to his church and work under him for seven years and learn, you know, when I preach at North Point, it's like, he, he gives you a crash course in his style and it's very Twitter minded. Like he wants bottom lines that are catchy, that are sticky yeah. and that, that, so I learned to write that. Both through Andy, but also through having to write for Twitter. And one of the things I learned as a a reporter um, is, uh, you know, from a written reporter point of view, I remember one of my publishers telling me, anybody can write a 3,000 word essay, good writers can write a 300 word essay. And I remember him telling me that like in the 90s. And I was like, I didn't understand that, that's shorter. But then I tried to write a 300, and it was like, when every word matters, it's important. But likewise, it impacts my slides when I preach. Did you know that the, the average person, when, when hearing a TED talk or a, or, a, or a message in church, if you put a slide on the screen that has more than 20, uh, actually, I think it's 35 words on it, people mentally have to make a decision. Do I read the slide or do I or listen? Do I listen? To the-
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So now I only have like 20 words on a slide so that people aren't making that choice. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. can take it all. Mm-hmm. They can take both bits of information. So Twitter has really helped me preach. Like, it's so crazy that t- Twitter, I should pre- tweet that as well. Twitter you should tweet that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always thinking of those things. Hey, you do a great job, by the way. Just Thank in you. researching, I looked at some of your messages. You, you do a freaking great job.
0: Thank you so much. I, like, <laughs> I really, really so appreciate much,
1: it. There's so much that I like, the, I, I like about the practicalness of the way you preach. And there's an effortlessness to the way you preach as well. That for me is a huge thing because in Australia, it's, most churches are, are really Pentecostal charismatic. And it's like, if you say something louder, it's more biblical, but you, and and I get tired, I get out of breath, like just watching yeah. some pastors, <laughs> but you just have this effortless way. So it's, it's, it's very easy to listen to. So uh, I just wanted to encourage you with that. You do a great job.
0: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it very much. I don't know if you know much about uh, the Enneagram but I'm a three and which means basically I never think I'm doing anything good enough. So
1: really- I'm a three, I'm a three as well. And I feel exactly so you get the it. same way. I've got, you know what a giving key is, right? No. Giving keys are these, you've probably seen people wear a metal chain with a metal key on it. And oh yeah, and a- they
0: have words on them.
1: Yeah, exactly. that's, yeah. A giving, that's a giving key. My wife a couple of years ago um, gave me an Enneagram giving key um enneagram produced uh, uh, yeah. somebody who does enneagram stuff sleeping at last do you know who sleeping at last yeah is? they
0: wrote they did all the songs for the enneagram <laughs> okay,
1: so i can't even listen to the three song <laughs> okay. without bawling my freaking eyes out like yes. re- like not even joking Kristen. Yeah. really yeah. sobbing ugly crying yeah that song came it was sleeping at last came out with these keys and my key that my wife gave me has worthy written on it because as a three, I never feel worthy. And so the only time I wear this key, the only time is when I'm preaching. Every single oh. time I preach, I wear this key because I, it's my reminder that I'm not worthy because I'm standing on a stage. I'm not worthy because I'm standing in front of people. I'm not worthy because of anything I say. I'm, just, I'm, I'm already worthy. I'm yeah. worthy because God loves me. God That's why so. I'm, so yeah. this is my Enneagram three reminder constantly. Um, now I'm going to go and listen to that three beautiful. song again. I might need to <laughs> cry.
0: <laughs> but yes, I'm
1: glad you received that as encouragement because you are, you're doing yes. a fantastic job. In fact, I'm, I'm actually trying to listen to more of, I'm trying to listen to as many messages as I can. And so you're on my list now of, of people who I'm constantly listening to.
0: Wow. Well, excellent. Thank you. So, and Hey, if you ever do have feedback, I am a three, so I will, I will take it.
1: Okay. Are you serious?
0: I'm, I am a hundred percent dead serious. Why you got something already?
1: No, 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 not Um, yet. I was like, bring it at North point. Um, we, we, Critique everything. Critique is to build up; criticizes to tear down, right? So, like Andy, between the nine and the eleven services, gets critiqued on his message to make the eleven o'clock better. So that's the culture that I've been in for the last seven or so years. And and so, I'm when I preach anything, I've there's people I always give it to to say, "Hey, give me feedback on it." And I don't like that. Oh, that was so good feedback. No, tell me how I can improve this. So if you want that, like I'm happy to start providing you with some. I would love it. Okay. Also, because well,
0: the things that I stress about and the things that I think make me a terrible communicator are probably yeah. not the things that actually matter.
1: That's your three coming out, right? Because I'm the so same.
0: legitimate feedback from someone who knows how to communicate, how to write messages. All of this, yeah. you know. I
1: yeah, will one hundred percent do that. I will, I will, Excellent. I will send you some feedback on the most recent message that I listened to. Excellent. Which I might. I've got to drive later on today, so I might even listen to one today
0: sounds good. But seriously
1: overall I think you do a fantastic job and I listen to a lot of passes. I just think you I I think you're so easy to listen to because it seems so effortless that I know that that might seem weird as a as an encouragement but it just seems like you it's so effortless like this is just oh she's telling me stuff she knows not stuff she wrote does that make sense? Yeah I'm I think that's that's one of my
0: biggest things is I feel like I can't get off of my notes because I also am a writer first. Yeah. And so I'm always like, well, God told me this. And so I'm like, well, I have to write it all down. And so then I get afraid that I'm going to not say the thing that God told me when I was writing. Yeah, you know.
1: So <laughs> totally the fact that you don't that. think
0: that I come across like I'm reading it is yeah. fantastic.
1: I totally get that. Can you imagine, Kristen, first time I preached at North Point, they told me I had to preach with no notes because that's how Andy does it.
0: The first time
1: you are not allowed to use notes at North point.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: You have to go up knowing it. And you have a, a confidence monitor at the back that has some bullet points on it that you've given okay. them, but, but oof, I'm used to having my notes as my backup yeah. so that I, I get the wording just right. Just the way that I got it received from God. I'm going to say exactly, but it, it's, it's, yeah, I'll give you some feedback. I'm more Excellent. than happy to do that. Hey, and Thank if there's so anything I can do to help you guys, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, like this is I just want to help as many churches as I can. So if I can help Thank Mosaic you. in any way, do not hesitate to email, reach out, whatever.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it so much. I'm sure I will be in touch with you once I start digging into all the things. So
1: awesome. And you guys, you and your husband, welcome to come over anytime. We'll take you up for beers and you can we've got a guest room, whatever.
0: Awesome. Excellent.
1: Dave, have a great day. You have a great night.
0: I will. So good to meet you.
1: You too. Cheers. Thanks, Kristen. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope that you are just as energized and ready to like go out there and do your digital ministry as I am. Listen, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you found any little nugget or probably like 13 in what Dave said today, please go get the book. metachurch not only does he give practicals, but there are PDF downloads. There are step-by-step things. It is so, so helpful as someone who just wants to utilize social media in a way of becoming the church to people around them. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will link up all of Dave's things, the book, where you can follow him on social media, and maybe a link to Bluey in the show notes. We'll talk to you next time.